Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Sorry, I'm Kelly Wild. Um, I'm married to the awesome Chris Wild, and I am privileged to be up here this morning. I shared this word Friday night. We had a ladies' night out. Wave at me if you were there Friday night. It was so much fun. Um, and I preached this to the women, and now I'm asked to come and preach it to the husbands. <laughs> Just kidding. But we're going to preach it again, and, and, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you already heard this, man, I've, this is now, this will be now my third time preaching it. And I'm encouraged each time I, I preach it because the word of God is a powerful, it's alive, it's living, and it truly changes us. How many of you know that as, as the, as followers of Christ, we are to be word people and we are also to be spirit people. And I, what I love about our church is that we value the word of God. We have incredible teaching and we are also a spirit filled church. And so how many of you say, yes, I want God's word and I want God's spirit. So I'm going to pray that over us this morning. I just feel it so strongly that God and, and our inter- amazing intercessors, can we also give it up for our incredible intercessors in our church? If you don't know, we have a powerful team of intercessors that pray round the clock through the night. Um, and so it's it's a good church to be in. We believe in the power of prayer. Amen. Amen. But I, I they were praying that this morning that the word, and I felt it too, let, let the word of God today, we're going to read a lot of scripture. And how many of you know the word of God speaks for itself? And the word, the Bible tells us because it's alive, because it's living, it's active, the word of God, it doesn't matter who's standing up here, it's the word of God that goes forth in power, the Bible says, accomplishing what he sends it to do. And how many of you know it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that also brings God's power to work in us? Ephesians 3.20 tells us that because of the power within us, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, hope, or imagine. So this morning, I want to pray before we begin. Do you, church, do you believe in prayer? We're awfully quiet in here this morning. Are we shook by the rain today? How many of you know, as in the natural, so in the spiritual, the rain represents the Holy Spirit. God loves to bring the rain. And it oftentimes, I love last Sunday we gathered, there was a downpour. Today on another Sunday, there's another downpour. Let's believe as in the natural, so the spiritual. God wants to downpour into us today, church. Do you believe that? So just let's pray this morning. Lord, we just thank you, God, as we put our hands on our heart, Lord, we ask that your word would go forth in power today and accomplish in my heart, say my heart, in my heart, what you are sending it to do. Lord, right now, we ask that you would bind every distraction, whether internally or externally. We thank you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is here, and we thank you that you would move in power today, Holy Spirit. We ask for more. Can you say that with your own mouth? Say, I ask for more of your spirit and your word in my life. And if you agree with that, can you say amen? Amen. Well, I love that song, Waymaker. My son, Presley, we have seven children, and Presley is kind of like our, our middle child, and he is, the, him and his twin is sitting right up here, but we have, if you don't know, we have two 11-year-old boys. We have a 10-year-old girl. They just turned 11 and 10. I can't believe it. As Chris said, they're going to junior high camp this summer. Parents, if you know, like, like time be still, right? But we have we have 10-year-old girl, and then we have three, uh, two three-and-a-half-year-old boys and two two and a half year old twins, boy and girl. So pray for us. We need lots of prayer because four toddlers is a crazy, crazy season, but we love it. But my son, Presley, how many of you know there's power in our names, right? There's meaning in our names. And our son, when we named, when we were pregnant with Kingsley and Presley, we were just praying about the names and God gave us Kingsley pretty early on. And we were trying to think of a name for our another name for the other boy. And kind of the last month or two, we found the name Presley. And when we discovered what it meant, we're like, oh, that's perfect because king obviously means king and Presley means priest. So he's there, our king and our priest. And Presley and priest means lover of the house of God. And Presley is 
a lover of the house of God. He's three and a half and his favorite game to play is church. He literally plays church all day long. I am not exaggerating in the least. He wakes up, since he was little, he's done this, and he wants worship on the TV, and he wants to get his guitar, and he wants to worship. Or now, lately, it's a microphone that he gets. And then now, recently, he loves preaching. So after worship is over, he says, now it's preaching time. And he gets back on the stage, and he begins to preach. And he preaches. He preaches his heart out. I remember one time he said, God is in my heart and he is in your heart and he loves you so much. And sometimes he preaches about Spider-Man and Paw Patrol too, but regardless, he loves to preach. And so I just wanted, I just thought, I, I just have to, I just thought it'd be fun just to share a little video, but he is like our little family priest. He's always helping set the atmosphere. He's always, when his, when his twin brother wants to watch a Spider-Man, they argue over, I remember when they were little, they would argue over Jesus and no Jesus. He wanted, Presley wanted Jesus and King said, no Jesus, Spider-Man. So anyways, it's just cute. So here's like a little video of him. I have countless videos of this. You can see it and turn it up. He has us all sitting down while he leads worship and he knows every word. And then he got mad because someone turned it off. <laughs> He's got his dad's red red hair. Oh, here we go. Here's another one. Chaos all around him. He's unfazed. There's his twin brother right there. Come on, can we give it up for our little Presley? I love that video because you can see, you can hear chaos in the background. There's just so many kids, dirty piles of laundry, you know, but he's just zoned in, he's focused. And we're gonna talk about that today. We're gonna talk today, if you wanna title this message, people of a different kind of spirit. And I love my Presley because he reminds me of this. People of a different kind of spirit. I love that video of Presley because it was just chaos all around. There was so much noise. There was, you know, like I said, baskets of laundry, but he doesn't care. He was sitting there worshiping God. And he said, mom again, mom again, mom again. And we played it over and finally had to tell him no more worship, son. You got to go to bed. <laughs> but let's, I want that kind of spirit. Amen. How many of you say, yes, I want that kind of spirit. Jesus said, if you have faith like a little child, you can come into my kingdom. And so I'm telling you, God is moving on the children of this younger generation. Amen. Do you believe that? Well, we're going to talk about today, people of a different kind of spirit. And we're going to talk particularly about how God has a promised land for you. God has a promised land for us, church, together. And God has a promised land for his church as a whole. God has a promised land for your family. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a promised land for you. You know, we celebrated, last Sunday, we celebrated our 39th year as a church. You know, could it be, Chris and I have been so stirred in faith and we, we're just so hungry for God's word like never before. And we feel God is preparing us for something. Do you feel that, church? I'm telling you, as your pastors, God is getting us ready for something. We are getting ready to cross over. Could it be that as we embark on our 40th year, like the Israelites, we too are crossing over into a promised land that God has for us? Could it be that in our 39th year, God is getting us ready? This is a time of preparation. God is building our faith. God is putting that same spirit inside of us that, is, that we're going to read about today that was in Joshua and Caleb. God is getting us ready to cross over. And how many of you know your promised land always involves people? God's kingdom is all about people. That's what it's about. And I believe that we are going to be coming into a harvest. And you know, we talk about that and we get excited about that. But I love if you missed it last week, Pastor Chris, if you missed Sunday night, you need to go back and watch it because the Holy Spirit unleashed something Sunday night through our 
pastor. And he began to prophesy by the Holy Spirit that God is getting us ready. And it's gonna be messy. It's not gonna be picture perfect. How many of you know if we're believing for souls to come in, we've got a lot of hurting, broken, confused people out there that need Jesus. We got a lot of young people that are being fed things that are anti-God and anti-truth and anti-identity. And we have a lot of people that are going to be coming in who need the power of God, the spirit of God and the truth of God's word to change them. But we can't sit there comfortably and expect it to happen. We have to get ready. We have to prepare our hearts for what God is asking us to do. If God brought in a massive harvest right now, would we be ready? What, would we be ready? Could we, could we contain the harvest that God desires to bring in? Because how many of you know God desires? God desires there to be a massive harvest, not just in Capital Church, but in the churches all throughout the Treasure Valley. And Chris and I are praying that God will not just do something in Capital, but God would do something in the churches all throughout Idaho. God would do something in the churches all throughout the United States. How many of you know we are, need revival? We need God's spirit to move and he is getting us ready, church. So I'm going to talk to us about that today. Let's get ready for what God has for us because we are getting ready to cross over into a promised land. And you know what? God also has a promised land for you and for your family. And Chris and I, God has been teaching us these last three years. We, we've been kind of in a wilderness season. A lot of things happening that we weren't expecting. And, we, you know, things coming our way that we didn't plan for. But we have discovered that God is getting us ready in our own personal lives to cross over into promises that he has for us. And as we've been walking through this, our faith has been enlarged. And we've seen God in new and fresh ways. And I believe at what he's doing in our our personal lives. It's just a microcosm of what he desires to do in us as a church. Amen. And so God is getting us ready. Turn your neighbor, slap him, wake him up this morning, say, get ready, get ready, get ready. God is getting us ready. Amen. So God always, this is, let me give you a kind of a formula you can see in God's word. God, there's a kind of a three-step formula. You can really take almost any story in the Bible and you'll see this principle at work. God comes and he gives a promise. He gives a promise. And then maybe down the road, there is the promised land. There is the spoken promise and then there is the fruition of the promise. But in between that is where we live most of the time. There is what we can call a process. So God gives the promise. This could be in your personal life. This could be maybe in your marriage. This could be to your family. This could be to us as a church. This is God's book that is full of promises. Amen. And so God comes and he gives a promise. Now, what I'm not saying is that every promise in your heart is from God. You have to test the, you have to test the words that are given, right? Especially when it's a directional word and you really feel God, God is faithful. It says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So if, if you feel God is giving you a word, take it to some people that you trust. God will always bring confirmations. God will always bring his peace as a sign. But what I am saying is if God gave you the promise, if the promise originated in him, he intends to fulfill it. God is not a man that he can lie. He cannot lie. He can't. If he said it, that means it's as good as done. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of what we hope for. It's the evidence of what we don't yet see with natural eyes. So what does that mean? If God has given you a promise, he gives you faith for the promise. And that faith is the evidence of what is to come. God's kingdom always operates in faith. It's how, it's how it works. He always asks us to exercise our faith. Will we trust him? How many of you are in parents in here? How many of you don't just give your kid what they want at all times? 
right? That would be, we could all probably agree, bad parenting, right? Because we know that just because they want it doesn't mean it's good for them, correct? God is an even better parent than we are. So God doesn't just give us every good thing that we want, right? Now, God desires to give us good things. That's who he is. The Bible says that every good thing in our life originates from him. But God does not just give you everything you want when you want it. But God does come and he gives you a promise. So he gives you a promise. And then in the middle, between that time of promise and the promised land is what we call, we can call a process. We could call it the wilderness. We could call it a desert season. We could call it waiting, testing, delay, whatever you want to call it. But every single one of us will go through it. Probably not just once, probably not twice, but multiple times in our life. Wave at me if you've gone through a wilderness season in your life. Now wave at me if you're currently in it. Okay, we got a lot of people. Okay, that's what I thought. We got a lot. Of, I could. I think collectively we could say we've all kind of been in that, correct? Since 2020, we've all kind of been in a wilderness season of God, what's happening? Where are you? I don't understand. I didn't see this coming, but God is faithful. Amen. Hebrews 6.12 says this, being imitators of, of those who through faith and patient, patience inherit the promises of God. So this is how we inherit the promises. God gives a promise, but it's through faith and patience. It's not just faith, but it requires patience. That implies that there's going to be a wait. There's a process. There's a delay because God is testing our hearts. Will we believe God is who he says he is? First Peter 1, 6 says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, how many of you are going to say, Lord, let it not be necessary. If you have been grieved by various trials, that word various literally just translates various. That could be going through um, experience evil, could be experiencing a time of discipline, adversity, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. Did you catch that? It doesn't say so that the genuineness of your faith. It says the tested genuineness of your faith. How many of you are glad when you get on a plane, those pilots have passed their tests? Okay. How many of you are glad when you sit in a in a, a salon chair, that those stylists have passed some tests, okay? So you're, we, we like testing, right? Because it, it proves that people have passed the test, that they, they can do what they're claiming they can do. Our faith is no different. It's gonna be tested. Now, everybody can have faith when everything's going well. Everybody can have faith when you're having the perfect day, nothing's going wrong, no suffering, no trials, no delays. Oh my gosh, anybody can have faith. Anybody can follow Jesus then, correct? But how many of you know Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble? Now remember, not in the world to come, but in this current world, there will be trouble. There will be suffering. There will be, there will be wilderness moments. But it says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found, say found, so that your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The message says it this way, your faith must go through the fire to be proved pure. Your faith is proved pure when you go through trials and testings and you still trust God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you maybe even walk through it perfectly, but you are choosing to trust God when all hell breaks loose in your life. Have you experienced that before? Am I the only one? Okay, when it feels like all hell is breaking loose. Okay, what? Like one thing after another is going wrong, but I still choose to trust that God is faithful and he is who he says he is. So our faith must be tested. But the question is, what comes out of us when we are tested? Matthew 15, 11 says this, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Luke 6, 45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance, out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
So if you want to know what's inside of you, listen to what's coming out of you. So a lot of times when we go through trials, it feels like 2 Corinthians 4 talks about, it feels like you're pressed on every side. Okay, guys, I have four toddlers. I am literally pressed on every side. I have a toddler here, a toddler here, a toddler here, a toddler here. We have melt, constant meltdowns. We have blowouts. We have, you know, we have toys that broke and it's the end of the world and need fixed. Okay, I know what it is. We all know what it is to be pressed pressed on every side. But it says that when you're pressed on every side, we, it's almost like you're squeezed, right? Have you ever had a, like a, a tube of toothpaste and you're squeezing the whole thing? What comes out of you when you are squeezed? We can't blame our spouse, unfortunately. Oh my gosh, I've tried so many times. The man you've given me, Lord, he made me say that. He made me, he pushed me to the edge, you know? It's like we make so many excuses just all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You know, we do the same thing. Oh, well, it's your fault I said that. Like, it's your fault I did that. No, the scripture doesn't give any room here. It says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So oftentimes it's in the times of testing and the wilderness that we discover what's actually in us. My husband and I, we've been, like I said, we've kind of been in this three year, like, okay, God, it's just, you know, it's been a lot of growing and a lot of things we didn't expect. And, and during that time, there was so many times that things came out of me that I didn't like. And, you know, sometimes I would try to make excuses for it and God, I'm tired. I never sleep. You know, it's like all the things we can say, but really it came down to, I had to get in the presence of the Lord and say, and say, God, this came out of me. Therefore it's in me. God, would you forgive me? Would you deal with this in me? Whether it's anger or, or, or unforgiveness or hatred, whatever it is, because what comes out of you is a reflection of what's inside of you. And we can't make excuses about it, right? So oftentimes it's in the wilderness that we discover what's really inside of us. And in those moments, how many of you know there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? God is eager. He is quick to forgive. But in those moments, we must come to the feet of Jesus and we must say, God, search my heart know me, see if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. We begin to pray those scriptures. We hide God's word in our heart because how many of you, if you want something good to come out of your heart, let me tell you what you need to do. Hide God's word in your heart. I'm at, I'm at a season of my life where I'm trying to memorize a lot of scripture because I'm like, I need a lot. I need more of God's word in me than I need of whatever else is coming out of me. So hide God's word in your heart so that out of that abundance, your mouth will speak faith and speak life. Amen. Amen. So we're going to see this principle at work. We're going to turn to Numbers 13. We're going to read through two whole chapters of the Bible. So if you didn't get your Bible reading in today, you're welcome. We will get it in this morning together as a church. But I'm going to encourage you, this is such a good story. In the Bible, like I said, it's alive. It's living. It's powerful. Let the Word of God transform you this morning as we walk through this text together. But let me give you a little bit of context here. We're, we're, this is the story of when the God had, had rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. And he has now, he's brought them now. You know all the stories, but he parted the Red Sea. He's done miracle after miracle. And he's brought now the Israelites into the wilderness. And he is desiring to now bring them into the land, the promised land that he has for them. And he says to them, he comes to Moses. This is where we land in the text. But Moses is coming. Moses is, is God's mouthpiece to them. And God has spoken to Moses. And Moses has been instructed to send 12 spies into the land. And I love this because God said, send the 12 spies into the land to which I have given you. So we already know the end from the beginning. Remember what we talked about at the beginning? God has given them the promise. He said, I'm giving you this land. So this is the promise that he expects them to stand 
on. So he has the promise that I'm going to bring you into the land, but now there's a process that they're going to walk through. And we're going to start in verse 17, chapter 13. And it says, and it, sorry, I should say, th- there were 12 spies that were chosen, two of which you probably know the story, but one is Joshua, one is Caleb. And it says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad. And whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rahab near Lebo Hamath. I think I said that right, who knows? They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. You guys, I can't sorry, skip to verse, (laughs) you guys can read it. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried on it a pole between two of them. And they also brought pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people. They were gathered together just like we are today. They're essentially having a church service. And the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So here we have the church gathered together. They're ready to hear the good report that the spies have, are, have, um, are going to bring back. And remember, God said, the land I'm giving you is a good land. And so he, Moses instructs him, go and see if, if, if the land is good or is it bad? Are there trees or are there no trees? Is it flourishing or is it not flourishing? Is it strong or is it weak? Is it fortified or is it just camps? And wouldn't you think that if this was the land God was giving you, you'd hope it would have all of those things. You'd hope it would be a strong land. You'd hope it would be a large land. You'd hope it would be a a flourishing land. These are all good things, correct? If you have the perspective that God has already given it to you. But it says, so it says this, so they gather together and it says the 10 begin to spoke, to begin to speak. It says, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Okay, not, not too bad so far. However, they said, The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Again, these are good things, guys. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Oh, I love this, but Caleb. So I kind of just picture, I always try to insert myself in the text. I read it over and over and over. So it becomes very visual to me, but you kind of, the impression I get, I don't know if I'm right, but there's that they all came back. The 12 of them come back. They all saw the same thing, correct? It just shows you can all see the same thing, but have a very different perspective, correct? So I imagine Caleb and Joshua, they're so excited and they can't wait to give the report. And then all of a sudden someone else begins to speak up and they're noticing the tone is not that excited and, and, and they're not, they're not, they don't seem as um, expectant as maybe Caleb and Joshua do. And you kind of see, you imagine kind of Caleb begin to interrupt. And it says that he quieted the people. Cause so you can imagine maybe there was beginning to be an uproar and people were beginning to panic. And he says, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, no, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. 
And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. That's a whole sermon right there that I'll preach. Then all the conger, it's important how you see things, amen? It's important how you see things. A.W. Tozer said, how you see God, how you view God is the most important thing about you. And so it says, all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You know that word grumbled, it means to murmur, to complain. And it says, the whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? So can you imagine God's heart for a minute? Here he is. He has delivered them time and time again. My goodness, he literally parted a sea. Okay, we read this story, we think that's so cute. No, he really did that. He parted a sea and there was walls of water and he provided food that fell from heaven. Moms, where are you at? Don't you wish this happened in our houses? Come on, Lord, food is so exhausting, like feeding children. Can we just get some of that manna from heaven, please? But here we have the Israelites who have seen miracle after miracle. We see the same thing with the disciples, right? That God did provided multiplied loaves and fishes and they saw God do it. And then later on, they're in the same predicament again and they begin to panic. What are we gonna do? It's like, we read these stories, we're like, what's wrong with you? God did it before, but I'm telling you, we do the same thing, that we have the same proclivity to forget. It's easy for us to see it when we're reading it in a book, but I try to imagine, okay, if my life was being written today, which which it is, we're all, we all have pages written about us. Would I, do I have that same proclivity? Do I forget? Do I, do I forget how faithful God was yesterday? And if he was faithful yesterday, do I believe he can be good today? See, sometimes it takes more faith to believe that God can continually be so good, right? We can believe God for one miracle, maybe two, but when we're on miracle, we need miracle number 50. We're like, can God really be that good? Friends, he is that good. He is well able. He is a good father. And he desires to do good things, but he's looking to us, will we believe? And so he, it continues on and it says, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? So you can imagine God's heart. He's done all of these miracles. He's delivered them time and time again. And now he's just a good father who's excited to bring them into the land that he has for them. And he is good and he delights to give good things. But here we have their response saying, is God bringing us into this land to die? So we have a direct opposite report of what God said. Friends, I'm telling you, I'm the older I get and the more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize life is very simple. As a follower of Christ, it comes down to two things. Am I gonna believe what God said? And am I gonna stand on that no matter what? Or am I gonna believe what I feel, what I think to be true, what others think to be true, what circumstances shout, what my feelings convince me of? It really comes down to that. Do I believe that God will do what he said he would do? And that comes down to, do I believe that God is who he says that he is? This is why what we believe about God is the most important thing about us because it will shape how we view life. If we believe God is who he says he is, then we can believe that God will do what he said he would do. And this is how we don't become swayed by the circumstances and the emotions and the feelings and the opinions of man. We can stand firm on God's word and promise to us. And we see that spirit at work in Caleb. So then they go on to say, our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Oh man, now they're really going after God. They're claiming that God brought them out to murder their, their babies and their children. So they're questioning the father's heart. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, yep, that sounds pretty good. Let's choose a leader and let's go back to Egypt. 
Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. It's a good land because how many of you know God only does good things. Every good and perfect thing in your life originates from him, the Bible tells us. So therefore they say, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And that's an important thing to remember that word bring us in. It means that God is the one that will cause you to enter in. No, we don't bring the miracle. We don't bring the victory. God is the one that causes us to enter in. But then it goes on to say that you might possess it. That means that that word possess, to possess it means that you will take possession of it. You will occupy it or it can be even translated new homeowners. So God has a promise for you that he will cause you to enter into, but by faith, he wants us to possess it, to take ownership of it, to become a new homeowner. Amen. So God has this promise for us, but we're not passive participants. God is saying, will you simply believe that I am able, but I am the one that will cause you to enter into it. And this was the, this was the faith that Caleb had. He said, if God is with, if God delights in us, he will bring us into this land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And the scripture goes on. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That same spirit in David, right? As he goes against Goliath, you have a young shepherd boy going up a giant. It's that same spirit at work in people, in the people of God that he said, if God is on my side, I can slay that giant. And the Caleb and Joshua said the same thing. Even though there's giants in the land, if God is with us, we can possess it. We can take it. And then it says, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So here we are, the people, the, the champions of faith who are saying, no, we can do it, guys. Now the congregation is asking for them to be stoned. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Are you still with me? I know we're reading a lot of text, but it's powerful. And it says, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? That word despise means to show contempt. How long will my people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs, that word signs literally translates miracles. I love it. Another way that it translates is banners of remembrance. God has put banners of remembrance over your life. God desires, God does miracles in your life, not even so much for you, but because he's so good, it's all for his glory. And now you have a banner of remembrance on your life that you can now encourage other people. This is why you should always celebrate when someone around you gets a miracle. I found this to be true in my life. If I'm believing for a miracle or a promise, I often have people around me get that same miracle or promise. And God is testing my heart. Will you celebrate for them? Will you be happy for them? Because it should, it should make you happy because what it should do is spark faith in you. If God can do it for them, he can do it for you. Chris and I went through this. When we waited for so many years for our children, if you, you know our story, but we had three miraculous children through adoption and then four miraculously through conception that came 11 years later. And through that time, we had a lot of waiting. But I can honestly say that when friends around me would get pregnant, my heart would rejoice with them. And it only just encouraged my heart. If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And that's what it should do for us. We should celebrate because what's is a family, what's a victory for one is a victory for all. Amen. So let's have that mindset in us church. So he says, these are like banners of remembrance over your life. So I'm another thing I want to encourage you is that you always have to go back to what did God say? 
what did God say? Or what did God do? You know, Chris and I, we've been believing for a promise and we've been in the process of walking into it. And I had to put on my phone a long list of things that God said and that God did so that I could remember. Because when circumstances would begin to, sh to shout the opposite, I had to go back and remind myself, nope, this is what God said. And every time I would get in my prayer closet, God would encourage me with the scripture. God would encourage me with the promise. He would say, he, he would say keep believing daughter, keep trusting daughter. And so I had to have those banners of remembrance that I continually went back to because we have a proclivity to forget. We do. This is why the Bible, the second command, the first one is do not fear. The second one is remember because we have a proclivity to forget. We have to constantly remind ourselves of God's goodness. If he was good before, he'll be good again. If he was good in their life, he'll be good in your life. If he could do it for them, he can do it for you. So you always have to go back to what did God last say? What did God say? And if God said, if, if, God, if God gave you an instruction or God gave you a promise, you continue to stand on that despite what you see with natural eyes. Amen? So he says, in spite of all these signs that I have done among them, they continue to despise me. So he says to Moses, I will strike them with the pestilence and I will disinherit them and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, I love this. This is the power of, of intercession. I love this. Moses was a friend to God. The scriptures tell us the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. And Moses, God came to Moses and confided in Moses because he knew that Moses as a good friend would remind God of who he is. He would remind God, no God, this is who you say. This is who you are. And the scriptures goes on to say, that Moses said to the Lord, the Egyptians will hear of it. For you brought up this people in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land. And they have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face and your cloud stands over them and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them, that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So you have the Israelites who are defaming the name of God and the character of God. And then you now have Moses, the intercessor, who is defending the character of God and reminding God, no, this is who you are. You are steadfast in your love, abounding in mercy. And I love it. The Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. That's the power of intercession that's incredible. And then it says, but truly as I live and all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice. They shall not see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant, Caleb, because this is our key verse today, because he has a different spirit. That word different spirit is the word ruach. It means my husband shares this all the time, but it, it could be translated the Holy Spirit. It's the breath, the wind of God. So Caleb had a different spirit. He had the spirit of God in him. And it says, and he as, and has followed me fully. That word fully means to be consecrated to. 
It means to be without mixture. It's to be fully satisfied with God alone. So we have Caleb, a man full of the Ruach, the Spirit of God, who is fully consecrated to God alone without any mixture in him. How many of you say, yes, I want to be like Caleb and Joshua? And he says, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow, set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Three times here, we have that word. Say to them as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones who you said would become a prey. Remember how they said they, 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 they attacked the character of God as our, as our heavenly father and said, that, oh, he's brought us into and our little ones will become a prey. But is that the heart of God? No. And it says, but your little ones who you said would become a prey, I will bring them in and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and your, little, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years and you shall know my displeasure." I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall come to a full end and there they shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land were almost done, who returned and made all the congregation grumble, him grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land. The men who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. That word bad report there, it means to slander or to defame or to whisper against um, or to give an evil report. So that word defamation means, it can mean to injure another's reputation without good reason or justification. It means to maliciously injure the good name of another or to give a false accusation or a misrepresentation of someone's words or actions. So we have the 10 spies who brought a bad report, which means to slander. They slandered the name and the character of God. In essence, what they were doing was they were gossiping against God. They were grumbling and saying, God is not who he says he is. Because remember, God had given them a promise that you are about to cross over into this land. And then you have the spies who were meant to come and bring a good report saying, no, we are not able to take this land. So they were giving a direct opposite report of what God had spoken to them. In essence, what they were doing is they were gossiping. They were saying, God is not faithful. God is not who he says he is. God will not do what he said he would do. Our grumbling against God is the same thing. And there's a really important principle. Now, how many of you have grumbled before? Okay, we all have grumbled. We all, how many of you know in life you're gonna be disappointed? Things are not gonna go the way you thought. How many of you know you're gonna be angry sometimes? How many of you know you're gonna be frustrated sometimes? So well, I, wanna, I wanna encourage us today and learn something out of this text because what I love so much about David is if you, how many of you love the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms, and there's even a whole book um, called Lamentations, right? But in the book of Psalms, we see David being very honest with God. We see David telling God, hey, God, what's going on here? I don't understand what you're doing. But what we always see David doing is coming full circle and saying, but God, 
I know you're good. God, I know I can trust you. So the principle that we find in the Psalms through David is that David brought his complaint to God where the Israelites in this passage that we're reading were complaining against God. They were saying, nope, we can't trust him. He's not good. He's not faithful. What he said is not true. But it says Caleb had a different kind of spirit. And he said, I don't care what I see with my natural eyes. I don't care how difficult it seems because God has already told us that he's giving us this land. Therefore, we are well able to take it. But what we see here is that the Israelites were grumbling and they were stirring up the crowd. And it says that a plague came on those 10. And that word plague literally translates as one of the plagues of Egypt. So a plague fell on them. Why? Because they were just, you know, having a rough day and they were just, you know, complaining and maybe they were just a little bit loose-lipped. No, because they were literally slandering the name of God. They were saying, we cannot trust God. It matters what we say, friends. Our confession matters. You know, I know we are are faith people in here, but we can't go in our prayer closet and pray one thing, and then throughout our day, we're confessing another thing. Because God, we see in this text that God cares about our confession. He cares about what we say. And so it's okay to have concerns. It's okay to have rough days. It's okay to have complaints. But what we need to do is take that to the feet of Jesus. What we need to do, the Bible says, is to cast all our cares on him, for he cares for us. I get really honest in prayer. I don't know about you, but I get very honest in prayer because I know that my frustrations are safe there. It really, what it does is it shows our trust in him because it says, God, I know that you are not just God, but you are good. And so when life is not going good, I can come to you and I can give it all to you. And I can trust that you are going to work it for my good. You are going to make, you're going to take this mess and you're going to work it for my good because that's the principle of Romans 8, 28. It doesn't say that everything in life will be good, but if we bring it to him and we trust in him, we get to watch and see how he will work it for our good. So our words matter. In Psalm 141, 3, it says, I love this. I've been saying this scripture a lot lately. Like I said, when you're squeezed on all sides, and I know a lot of us, probably all of us could say, we've been in that season where it feels like we're pressed on every side. What comes out of us in those seasons? Man, I know a lot of times things come out of me that I don't want coming out of me. So this has been a prayer that I've been praying Oftentimes in Psalms 141.3, it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I love that. Just imagine like a little watch guard standing guard at your mouth and is like, uh, uh, should you say that? Uh, nope, we're not going to say that. And I'm telling you, it's not just enough. We can't just will ourselves out of that. You know how you, how you begin to change your confession? You get more of this inside of you. This is the only thing that has the power to change us. When we hide his word in our heart, that is when we are transformed. And all of a sudden, you're going to begin to say as you memorize scripture and you digest large chunks of scripture and you're reading through it and you're meditating on it day and night, all of a sudden you're going to be able to see a change in what comes out of you. All of a sudden where it used to be maybe like, oh, you, be, you have a proclivity to complain or, or, to, or to, you know, speak doubt. All of a sudden, and you're going to have the word of God quickened to you and faith is going to come to you because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you struggle with this, I want to encourage you to get the scripture inside of you. I did this for our women, but I, you know, like I said, there was in the season, I was like, okay, I, I, I don't like some of the things that are coming out of my mouth. I don't like that I'm finding myself complaining when life gets hard. And so I wrote down a ton of scriptures. I just spent like three hours one day writing down all the scriptures that I could find. And then I began to recite them every day. I would read through them and I would hide the word in my heart. And as I did that, I began to see a change. And how many of you know it's a process? 
But I want to encourage, I, I created these prayer cards for our women to do the same. And we'll have more back there. Anybody's welcome to grab one. But I want to encourage us this summer. If we're going to have a summer of fire, it's going to require God's word in our hearts. It's God's word that purifies us. It's God's word that washes us and cleanses us. We need God's word in our heart because faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Amen. So Deuteronomy 6, and we close here. It's important what we say, not just what we pray, but what we say throughout the week when, when the kids are melting down and it's just chaos all around. What comes out of us. Hide the word in your heart and you will begin to see God's word come out of you in those times of pressing. But what is the wilderness for? I love this and we conclude here. God gave me this scripture in our own personal journey uh, a couple months back and it has just so encouraged my heart and I've just been meditating on this scripture because how many of you know when God wants to bring you into a promised land, once we get there, it's easy to forget. When we're all just, you know, when we're content and life is going good, it's easy to forget who got us there. But this is what God says. He comes and he's, 40 years now have passed and they're about, the, the, young, the next generation is about to enter in to the promised land. They're finally able to cross over and God comes and he says this to them. And I want this to get into your heart today because the same is true for us, for whatever you're believing God for. He says, this is the commandment, the rules and the regulations that God, your God commanded me to teach you to live out in the land that you are about to cross into to possess. This is so that you will live in deep reverence before God, lifelong observing all of his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren living good long lives. How many of you are claiming that? I'm claiming that good long lives. Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you will have a good life. How many of you know God is, God is not just commanding general and saying, do what you're told. Why does he want them to do what they're told? So that they will have a good life. Obedience commands blessing. And God desires to pour out blessing on his people. He says, do what you're told so that you will have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised and a land abounding in milk and honey. Attention, Israel, God, our God, God, the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all that you've got. And write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. I've told the Lord as I've, we've been believing for our promise, I'm like, God, I will never stop talking about it. When we cross over into our promise, I will never stop telling my children. One day, my grandchildren, I will continually remember the miracle that you have done and I will not keep it to myself, but I will share it because how many of you know it's all meant for his glory? Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. When God, your God, ushers you into the land he promised through your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, you're going to walk in to large bustling cities you didn't build well-furnished houses you didn't buy, come upon wells that you didn't dig, vineyards and olive orchards you didn't plant. And when you take it all in and you settle down, pleased and content, make sure you do not forget how you got there. God brought you out of slavery into Egypt. That's the whole purpose of the wilderness so that you remember who got you there. We know this as parents, if we instantly give our kid everything they want, are they gonna appreciate it? No. 
Are they gonna waste it? Yeah, they're not gonna take, they're gonna take it for granted. But when you've waited, friends, when you have waited and you have gone through the wilderness and you finally enter into your promised land, you are gonna appreciate it. You are gonna be grateful for it because you know how you almost could have missed it, but God brought you in. And I'm gonna close with this scripture and then I promise we're done. In Romans 8, it says this, this resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid grave tending life. It's adventurally expecting, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains, but it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We are also feeling the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. Here's the key. We are enlarged in the waiting. We are enlarged in the waiting. How many of you know what's in the wilderness where you see God face to face? It's not the mountaintops of our life where we grow. It's in the valleys. It's in the hard times. It's in the waiting. We are enlarged in the waiting seasons. We of course don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy is. I experienced this in my life when I waited years and years for children. Oh my gosh, I can't even describe to you the joy that I felt when the promise finally came. You see, God, the longer the wait, the more joyful our expectancy becomes. And then it, it goes on to say really quick, but meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, have you been there, friend? Have you gotten tired in the waiting before? It says that if we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. This is why we need not just the Word, we need God's Spirit. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. Chris and I have had a lot of wordless sighs in this season of four toddlers. We, I love that scripture because I'm like, sometimes I'm like, oh God, that's all I've got. But I love it. It says the Holy Spirit, he makes prayers out of that. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and he keeps us present before God. That is why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And if you believe that this morning, church, can you stand with me? And I want to pray for you. We are enlarged in the waiting. And the longer the wait, the more joyful our expectancy comes. And we also will remember who got us there. If you have been in that season, friend, and you said, Yes, I need God. I need God to come and encourage me this morning. I've been in the waiting season. I've been in the wilderness season. I've been in the process. God has given me a promise and I am I'm believing for God to bring me in to that promised land, but I just need my faith strengthened today. Can you just give me a wave? Wave all around. There's hands all over, hands all over all over the room. Go ahead and put your hand on your heart this morning. Lord, we thank you this morning that you would come and give us fresh faith today.
Lord, let the Ruach of God come into our hearts this morning. Lord, as Caleb had a different kind of spirit, Lord, let that spirit come into us today, that we will be those who believe, we will be those who trust. And like Abraham, it says with no reason to hope, he hoped anyway. God, let us be people that we don't live by what we see, what we feel, what we perceive, the opinion of man, the circumstances, but we live by what did God say. We would be those kinds of people. And we know if you said it, then we will enter into it. So God, enlarge us in the waiting. I thank you, God, you're enlarging us. We're seeing you face to face. You're doing, you're making some changes inside of us. You're dealing with some sin inside of us. God, I thank you, you're cleansing us as Chris talked about this morning. We are being enlarged in the waiting and our faith is gonna be coming out proved pure. So God, we thank you this morning. I pray that you would strengthen every person here this morning. God, I thank you that they would be strengthened in their faith. And Lord, I thank you that we are gonna be those that enter in. We're not gonna, we're not gonna miss it. We are entering in to all that you have for us. If you agree with that church, can you say amen? We're gonna sing one last song and then my husband's gonna come up and pray. But were you encouraged by that? I hope so. <laughs> God bless you. Let's sing this song together. Really Thank quick. you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.